Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Luke. And this is Will and Luke Discuss. A vodcast. And podcast. Where we discuss content related to psychology, personal growth, self-development, and well-being. This This episode, episode, we're discussing Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And it was a book suggested by yourself, Luke. So I'm wondering whether you wanted to just give a quick introduction to how you came across this book and what, uh, what interested you um, to cover this book with me. A oh, nice one. Um, I don't actually remember. It's, uh, Good I remember reading it about five years ago at least, but I think I listened to it a few years before that. Um, I guess I started uh, my own personal study of philosophy. I don't know, when I was about 18 or so. So uh, I probably just came across Stoicism generally, which is... Um, the kind of type of philosophy Marcus Aurelius is associated with. And then, yeah, this is just one of the, one of the biggies, one of the classic books that, uh, define stoicism in a way. Um, so yeah, of, um, you, I think you, you mentioned stoicism. Oh, that was it, wasn't it? Sam Harris's app, the waking up app. They, he did, um, he invited someone on to do a short series on stoicism and you know how it can, um, help i guess train our thinking as as well as in our meditation and so you showed you showed a bit of an interest in it and i was like well if we're going to do stoicism we've got to do the meditations for sure no i think it's good as well because um i guess a lot of the books we've done so far have been kind of written in a way that it's um i guess kind of directed as self-help or you know personal development you know kind of written for the audience like us yeah reading it or listening to it and it's uh kind of directed but i think something that interested me when you suggested doing this was actually that he wrote these for himself so marcus aurelius um like he was a roman emperor for two decades from reading the blurb at the beginning of the book um and he kind of wrote these um meditations um to himself in the last 10 years of his life and his life was full of kind of a uh, you know horror death loss suffering you know various wars and illnesses throughout the people he knew and throughout his life and um I think, yeah, kind of knowing that this is, these are almost like, well, they are like outtakes from his kind of personal diary to himself mm. and kind of personal directives and ways of living by. Yeah. It's a really interesting angle in which to read a book from rather than kind of like telling me what to do. It's kind of, he's telling himself and I can just kind of pick and choose what yeah. I, feel, I feel relates to me. And I think that's certainly something that interested me in this book. Yeah, no, I, me too. Definitely. That's a, uh... I don't know, there's something almost voyeuristic about feeling like you're reading through someone's diary. And um, and yeah, the fact that it's not been written as a way for someone to make money or to say, like, you should act like this. But it's just, he never intended for it to be published. It was just his own personal writings for himself to reflect on. And um, there's some irony in it as well, because he, he talked about how... Uh, you know, fame is not worth chasing and um, in so many generations you'll be forgotten anyway and no one will remember who you are. And yet yeah, 2,000 yeah. years later, here we are chatting about <laughs> the book he never meant to publish. <laughs> about yeah. how, uh, famous and long-standing he's been. So I thought that was quite funny whenever I read um, some quotes about that, about fame and how everyone's going to forget you anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I think the... The um the blurb at the beginning by the uh, guy did the forward version. Yeah, and the trans. So yeah. we read a version by the translation by Gregory Hayes, and yes. uh, yeah. 
yeah, it's a good translation. It's really, as you mentioned the other day, it's really easy to read. Like, so I wouldn't let the fact that, uh, you know, it's almost 2000 years old, put you off. It's just, just reads, um, reads like he wrote it yesterday. And so I think that's down to the translation probably. And yeah, the, he, he writes a really thorough intro into the background of the book as well, doesn't he? I um I wonder maybe before we get into the content and some um, parallels I I believe can be drawn between other books we've read and stand out to me I'm wondering whether it's worth just spending a couple of minutes just sort of go- going through just roughly you know what stoicism is and what kind of the key um, the key aspects of it are and yeah. um, just because I think you know, a lot of the things he talks about relate to like three key themes that were outlined in the intro. Mm. Um, I'm wondering whether, before I just mention those, whether you could just kind of give a brief overview of kind of, you know, what Stoicism is um, and kind of where it fits into um, into our thinking. Yeah, okay. So uh, Stoicism is well, an ancient Greek philosophy. So Marcus Aurelius, obviously, the Roman. So the Romans borrowed a lot of, of the Greeks' uh, culture and stoicism was definitely one that flourished in in rome but yeah in, in ancient greece a stoa was like the name of a porch um basically so the guys who chatted about this sort of thing would just sit under the porch and they became known as the stoics because they sat under the stoa and that just became known as stoicism but um the the main idea is well there's a couple of main ideas and actually it's one that has um been borrowed as the foundation for cognitive therapy and that is that the the world and events do not determine how we feel but the way we interpret them do the way we project our own personal stories onto what happened actually causes our suffering and our suffering in that sense is our own responsibility and to some degree under our own control if we just uh are able to change the the way we see things change our perspective and you can do that in many ways you you can change how you feel and hopefully live the good life um maybe you could go into those three areas you mentioned yeah yeah sure so i, I think um kind of just to add to that you know it, it is like a deterministic um view of of the world that there's like cause and effect mm. um and you know he talks about um, the logos is this kind of all pervading force that's um you know how the universe is organized and the way things are is right it's how it's supposed to be so it kind Mm. of um talks a lot about how um you you know it's not necessarily about like trying to change the world and trying to manipulate the world to kind of fit our our will it's more about as you say kind of like that acceptance of the way that things are Mm. like a voluntary acceptance and you know taking we are responsible for our choices and actions in response to the way the world presents itself to us so yeah that's kind there's, of my there's a bit of a yeah yeah no definitely there's a somewhat of a of a faith in that as well right because there's this idea yeah. that yeah that uh the logos which is really hard to define and get my head around it's something to do with like all pervasive reason and the logic and that's um, yeah he, he splits into so he splits into hmm. two parts so, so it's the individual faculty of reason Mm-hmm. And it's the organization of the universe at okay. the same time. Yeah. There's so the like fact the, that the the universe works mechanistically and logically, that and it would do so whether we were kind of here or not. But we also have a reasoning faculty and can work out uh, 
what is logical about the world using our reason right reason yes. is applying logic to thought and logic they're saying is sort of embedded in the fabric of reality and so mm. this lo logos that's the logic that's out in the world and the reason that's in each one of our minds they use that a general concept for all of it yes yes uh, i think um i might just kind of um you know refer to the, the three parts that he talks yeah, yeah. about so um you know, a lot of what he'll refer to in this book is to do with, um, you know, our perception. So it's about having objectivity of thought um, because we usually make inappropriate, like, value judgments and interpretations on the world. So it's mm -hmm. more, can we perceive, perceive things objectively as they present themselves to us as opposed to coming up with our own ideas of how things should be or mm -hmm. how they look? Like, can we see things clearly for what they are? Um, the next is action. So it's like active participation and cooperation with the world. Um, so not necessarily like fighting against it. And it's also like participation um, with other people as well, you know, how we interact with others. So as much as this is a, a personal philosophy, I think the Stoics were known um, more so for their, uh, you know, acting in public life compared yeah. to the Epicureans who are more kind of a, they retreated away into their own little um, like communes and things right. like that. This is more like how how can we act in the world and around other people as well. So it's worth yeah. keeping that in mind. Yeah, um, yeah. And also will, which refers a lot to how do we react to things that are out of our control. So it's um, like a, a willing acceptance of fate and kind of what I was referring to earlier, mm. but like kind of how however the world presents itself is right. There's no... Um, kind of good or bad it just is and what it is is right and that's mm. how things should be mm. um, which as you say does require quite a lot of um, faith and interesting you know this isn't um, uh, a religion or a religious um, text um, which kind of I think a lot of people do quite enjoy stoicism for that reason that it's not necessarily linked to um, a particular religion mm -hmm. um, and you know it's kind of but then again, it does require a certain amount of faith to, particularly in the area of acceptance that like, you know, mm. things are the way they are, even if things are absolutely horrible or the worst thing imaginable is happening, um, being able to kind of accept what is and that is right. So uh, perception, action and will. Are the perception, three action and will. So there was um, kind of applying our reason to the world and seeing things how they are and not kind of projecting stuff onto situations. Yeah. Um, then there's a, how we use that logical thinking in our interactions with other people. And then there's how we uh, ex accept that the way things are, are the way things are. And well, it feels like they're saying a step further, right? That And that that's the way it should be. And, and that we should have some sort of trust that that's, I hesitate to say good, but like that, that, that if you take the the universe as a whole, it's good that and and that yes. although we might be some tiny slither of a part of it, and that sometimes can feel bad. If we see it within its proper context, we will be able to accept it. That's kind of the message I took. Yes, yes, and I think um, just you know one final time just to refer to a, a, a note I made in particular, you know, around yeah. those. So he says everywhere in each moment you have the option to accept this event with humility so that's yeah. regard that's really in relation to what you were just saying about will um 
treat this person as he should be treated. So uh, that particularly goes, mm-hmm. that's to do with action, you know, when with other people. Yeah. People can act in a certain way and present themselves to you, and there is still a way that they should be treated. It doesn't mean accept poor behavior or, um, you know, pain inflicted upon you. Like some people should be treated in certain ways based on how they're acting towards mm-hmm. you. And then um, I guess kind of back to perception. So like to approach the thoughts we have with care so that nothing irrational creeps in. So I think that's where um, people's typical understanding of stoicism um, links to a bit there that people say, you know, if you're stoic, that you're kind of unnerved and you're not able to, things don't bother you that much and you don't react and you're quite cold and calculated. Yeah. That sort of thing. There's like that old mentality. Oh, you're, you're a bit stoic. And I know um, British people are referred to as quite stoic for those reasons. But I think uh, people who study stoicism at length or Marx or Ellis himself would probably disagree with that. They would say that actually, no, we're not stoic. We're just kind of seeing things clearly, acting appropriately for the situation and yep. interacting with others as appropriate. No, that's a good point worth, <laughs> worth know, mentioning. Yeah, yeah that... Yeah. that uh, stoic has has come the word has come to be sort of bastardized and mean like repressing emotion and being cold and hard to speak to um but but as you point out that's certainly not their intention their intention is not to repress things but to see to uh see things so clearly that you you kind of don't need to repress anything because you're able to sort of willingly accept everything that is. And that's, um, yeah, it can, it can almost be seen as like passive, you know, whereas actually it's quite a, an active thing to, um, you know, it, it requires a degree of effort, doesn't it? To kind mm. of like focus your mind, to see things clearly and to make choices mm. in line with your values or as the situation, um, or appropriate to the situation um yeah yeah so i want to um um just build on the the book itself before just diving into the content so what we've just described there uh, there the those three parts are kind of what the translator the intro has pulled apart as the main themes of of marcus aurelius's books but it's good to bear that in mind yeah it's definitely yeah it is but but uh the books themselves, they're not ordered in any way. They're, they're like, imagine you wrote a diary and you kind of got to the end of it. You'd finish and you'd pick up a new book to start writing in your new diary. That's the way the books are. They're just sort of randomly allocated as, uh, I think it's 12 books in in, yeah. in the meditations. And they're just bullet-pointed um, comments, <laughs> bullet-pointed uh statements or things to remember some of them are like a sentence long have just a few words some of the longest ones probably maybe a page but they're yeah. they you the, all of them are mainly just little aphorisms that are a few lines long and one ne- doesn't necessarily link to the next one in any way they just they're apparently sort of random thoughts mm. um i just wanted to like paint a picture of what it's like to open and flick through this book because as i was saying to you on the phone the other day it's something that you know, it's the kind of book you want just on your nightstand or next to the toilet because you can just flick it up, read a few, and put it down, and you don't, kind of, yeah, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to kind of hold the whole thing in your mind because there's no there's no structure to it apart from it's just a list of really good things to remember in life. Yeah, I, th- I think you know the way the writer says it. You know, it's kind of um, directions 
reminders and like reframes that talk mm. about you know like ethical um ethical choices and how we respond to you know loss and adversity so in terms of reading it, it was interesting because i kind of as a part like going just straight through it like one after the other yeah i kind of obviously highlighted things that stood out to me but um there was definitely parts of it that reminded me of um you know flow that we covered yeah, yeah. a lot from 12 12 rules for life yeah. Sam Harris lying. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it almost feels like this book, a lot of the advice you hear kind of underpins a lot of the self-help, um, you know, psychology books that mm. we've kind of gone through. I certainly could draw multiple parallels between some, you know, kind of advice and directions and reframes mm. from this. It kind of feels like he was like the original thinker of them all. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, definitely, as I mentioned anyway, before, yeah. so... Um, all the cognitive therapies like from Albert Ellis's rational motor behavior therapy and Aaron Beck's CBT, there's like stoicism underpins them. Like there's no real difference that they've sort of reformulated them for modern day. But other than that, the same messages are there to be found in these older texts. And, you know, Marcus Aurelius didn't necessarily come up with them himself, right? He's read them from the Greeks and um, framed them in his own words. Yeah. Okay, well, I reckon we've done um, a great introduction. I think it'd be, I mean, to to me, that'd be pretty interesting to know, you know, kind of where the book came from, the main themes of the book. Yeah. And um, kind of the main focus, it kind of gives a bit of a platform for us to kind of dive into maybe the parts of the the book we liked. Um, I, I guess I'm just interested to tell you that like going into this book i i went in with like questions in my mind that had kind of come up from the last um cast we did um end of the year like our 2020 reflection yeah um and a lot of the the questions i had in my mind was you know what how do you find the balance between kind of striving to achieve things and get things done versus acceptance so striving versus acceptance and then also kind of looking at like just values to carry. So as I've gone through this book, I've kind of just highlighted them in two, two different areas. Um, you know, I imagine you might've approached the book differently, but it's, um, it's interesting kind of what's come up having gone into the book with a question in mind that I'm seeking to find an answer for. So you, you went into the yeah. book, uh, with questions in your mind, you wanted to kind of find in there based on our last conversation. Yes. One of them predominantly was when to sort of accept things as they are and when to strive further, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and in particular reference to kind of, um, you know, got goals I'm setting or like tasks I'm doing. So kind of, um, when I'm working on things, how can I find the balance between doing what I need to do in the moment, but also kind of accepting when things don't quite go, go to plan or whatever. So, um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting what's kind of Yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, I think that's a great idea to go into it with um, with an idea of what you what wisdom you are trying to look for in it. Especially in a in a book that's just like yeah, hit after hit. It's just yeah, like yeah. So many good quotes. Um, so I guess I mean, if you're happy for me just to go from there, um, yeah, I'd love to. Like a, a lot of the stuff from early on in in the book, um, I found was like a lot about you know, focusing on the moment, like undistracted when you're doing a task. So that makes me think a lot about, you know, if I've got a goal kind of in the gym or with my diet or um, something like that, it's really about, you know, when I'm there, be Mm. in the moment and really focus on doing what I need to do. Because if I get distracted thinking about, you know, 
longer term goals and how this fits into my weekly habits and whether I'm ticking the box for the seventh habit of the week. It's more about every single thing I do, like concentrate with like, he says, precise and genuine seriousness, free from distraction. Mm. And, um, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to know which exact bit of um, quotes to go from, but that, that was certainly a starting point that I found quite interesting. Yeah, no, sure it comes up. a theme you picked up on. Yeah. Um, well, now you say it, yeah, definitely it stands out. I think, so his first book was was kind of the main um, virtues and positives he saw in the main people in his life. So he'd go through a list, mm. you know, uh, dad or stepdad, brother, yeah, yeah. friend, teacher, and then just say like they're, they're good qualities to remember. And I, I think that came up a couple of times in there, this idea that, yeah, if we're going to be, if we're rational, <clears throat> then we've chosen what we're doing for a reason. And therefore we should be in the moment whilst we're doing it and mm. concentrate on it and not let our mind just be distracted by less important things. Mm. And that's something even someone I heard at work says, you know, kind of um, thinking about, you know, what, what's the micro environment of what you're doing. So the micro environment, for example, yeah. is like when you're in the gym, like you can control that, that, um, that space. But then like the macro stuff is kind of your wider goals, your longer term aims, that sort of thing. Like how, yeah. and that's something that made me think about, you know, finding that balance between, yeah, not thinking too far ahead when I'm doing a goal, but actually just being in the moment with everything I do. Mm. So that's kind of like the um, getting things done, different horizons, the, the David Allen's horizons yes. of focus. So it's like when you're on the ground level, be on the ground level because you know yeah. horizon five or whatever it is is looking at your main reasons for living and whilst you're you know trying to do five reps of your bench press or whatever there's no point really thinking about your wider goal in that very moment your concentration should be on your technique and your willpower and exactly what you're doing in that present moment and I guess there's a sort of trust that what you're doing does fit into the bigger picture and you don't have to have that constantly on your mind. To yes. Believe in yeah. that. <clears throat> good, good point with the trust there. I think, um, yeah, no, I like that. Yeah. I, th I think, um, another thing you mentioned, um, kind of particularly around that, like striving things, he says, if you can't stop prizing for things, you'll never be free. So you have to like respect our mind and be satisfied with yourself. So that's, uh, like another, angle on it in which you know kind of if we're constantly striving for things mm -hmm. instead of being in the moment we'll never actually be free because all we've got is the present moment like the past is gone the future's not here yet and if we're yeah. constantly thinking ahead to like what this will get me or where yeah, like yeah. what's what's happening next we're never truly um going to be um liberated from mm. that um that, that, te that tension of like jealousy and envy and want and desire like it, it can be, be a bit of a, a treadmill but can't be yeah sometimes and that um highlights perhaps why sam harris thought a stoicism series would work well in a meditation app because it's essentially the same message right that if we're constantly thinking about the future or the past or making these stories in our mind that aren't actually related to reality we're just living in a dream and even though we're planning for all this good stuff we'll never actually be able to enjoy it when we get it if we haven't trained ourselves to live in the moment. And another bit of advice to build on that, he, he says, um, 
you know, tr treat life action by action. So one thing at a time. Um, sorry, it says assemble life action by action. Mm. Um, which is like, you know, I think about, um, let's say, like being at work and stuff and having, yeah. you know, maybe longer term work goals or knowing that, you know, my, um, let's say, my work over a sustained period of time will create an impression on those who might want to employ me in the future. And yeah. it's like, if I, if I worry about that, then I'm not going to kind of do the best job in the moment. So it's kind of really just bringing, as I feel like I'm repeating myself like that, <laughs> the same attention to every single action you do and just build from there. That's all you can really do. Mm. Um, he doesn't, um, one thing that stood out perhaps in contrast to some of the other stuff we've discussed rather than in compliment with it is he doesn't really, um, seem to care for like big goals or the future or what you're working towards. It's more about like working on your character, your virtue now. And so it, it, he doesn't see, you know, he, there's a lot of quotes that's just like, well, you, you might be dead tomorrow. So it doesn't really matter too much what you're striving for. It's about how to, um, I guess he might say like live with the logos, like live, with reason and virtue and um, from this day forth now in this moment, which um, compared to say, well, loads of stuff, getting things done or the Tony Robbins program where, you, where you're setting these kind of like future visions and goals, mm. there's, there's this sense that you can be a good person with a good life um, without striving for anything that will bring you I don't know, fame or glory or money or status or any of that. So long as you look, kind of speak the truth, treat people how they deserve to be treated and like live in line with reality. Yeah. It's, it's a, it can sometimes be a hard one to listen to. Like obviously that makes um, you know, sense that, you know, want to have a integrity of character and be building that as well. But, you know, mm. to be told to sort of almost like let go of kind of, wanting things and striving and like goals and that sort of thing and just work entirely on your character it's uh mm. it, it sounds really noble but it's um, it's really hard to do it's, it's funny you mentioned that because i saw a quote on um jordan peterson put up today yeah basically saying like yeah don't don't worry about like yeah fame and striving it's more about like working on your character because everywhere you go you carry your character with you. yeah yeah it's funny you said that sounds quite well he, he definitely talks a lot about um you, you know, like telling the truth and standing up straight and being a good, being a good citizen. And, um, you know, he says like, concentrate on what you have to do, then do it, speak the truth. Um, as you see it. Mm. So like a lot, a lot around, you know, t telling the truth and being like, um, yeah. Being of, of good character and like how not telling the truth, um, can make the world crumble around you. Like it's a self-deception. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, well, there's a lot of echoes yeah. in there from Sam Harris's lying and from um, Six Pillars of Self-Esteem, right? Where if you mm. if you deceive and tell lies, is is, I mean, they, he might phrase it as sort of it's a, it's, it's acting out of line with the logos, like you're, and as you as you mentioned, then it, it will have its destructive impact on the world around you, but also have its destructive impact on your own mind. It, like you need to work to live in line with reality. And if you allow things to, um, 
you know you don't accept things you hide from them or you distort them to fit your story of things like you're just you're sort of crushing your most important part of you your like spirit your soul whatever he'll call it so it's it's not just about like well like you know you should tell the truth it's a good thing to do it's like no you're you're actively hurting yourself when you don't strive for the truth that would impact all three you know that would impact your perception on the world the way you act around people mm-hmm. and your kind of will and your willingness to accept the world as yeah, it is. Yeah. that's that's a um i wonder um whether you could just mention you sent me a couple of texts midweek um oh, yeah. a couple of quote a couple of quotes you liked and um one one of them probably relates quite closely to this yeah um, yeah have you got it up there or uh, it's um, just loading right now as you mentioned it, I, I clicked on the whatsapp link let's see okay no worries it <laughs> should be there but it's um yeah i've got certain... it here. oh you got it right there oh great cool Didn't so, uh, fill, fill a gap <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's this one you're referring to um yeah, go for it the despicable phoniness of people who say listen i'm gonna level with you here what does that mean it shouldn't even need to be said it should be obvious, written in block letters on your forehead. It should be audible in your voice, visible in your eyes, like a lover who looks into your face and takes the whole story at a glance. A straightforward, honest person should be like someone who stinks. When you're in, this, when you're in the same room with him, you know it. But false straightforwardness is like a knife in the back. False friendship is the worst. Avoid it at all costs. If you're honest and straightforward and mean well, it should show in your eyes. It should be unmistakable. I love that. That was good. <laughs> yeah, when he said that to me midweek, I hadn't quite gotten to that bit in the book yet, but it yeah. was, uh, it was, yeah, I think it definitely ties into a lot of what we've been talking about before. You know, he says as well in the final book, um, if it's not right, don't do it. If it's not true, don't say it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's, I, I, quite, I quite like the um, how literal some of the uh, translations are in oh, yeah. the in the book like i'm always curious like whether that's how it would sound in greek or not yeah yeah, <laughs> but, yeah um, i was curious yeah so, so i think I, I just in that i just love mm. that um a straightforward honest person should be like someone who stinks when you're in the same room with him you know it it's yeah. th- that's funny that that kind of listen i'm going to level with you here or or let me be honest with you or i'm going to be straight with you now like we have so many of these yeah. little uh pre-phrases which imply that we're not usually honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, a really nice thing to pick up on because, yeah, like it shouldn't be this occasional thing you drop in. It's like, well, look, let me be frank with you. <laughs> I'm going to be honest now. It's like, no, you should always be honest for your own um, self, your self kind of worth and um, your, your integrity of your own mind. And he says, you know, it's, it's your responsibility to be like that. No. Mm. What one quote I like is that he says, like, no one can stop you from being like an, an honest, um, straight up person. Like, no one, no mm. one's getting in the way of that. Like, it's it's up to you to do that, and uh, the impact that has on, yeah, your right. perception, so it, the way you interact with others is undoubtable. Yeah, some of our goals might be uh, largely, or at least in part, out, out of our control. You know. Um, circumstances and external circumstances will always change but there are certain things that are always in our control so long as we're sort of sane and alive and with it and Mm. being straightforward and honest is is one of them Mm. i think um 
I guess just wanting to, I'm wanting to know what, what maybe you gleaned from the book in relation to that striving versus acceptance thing. Cause it's a, it's a question we kind of, uh, we toiled with at the end of the last podcast, you know, how do we find the balance between, yeah, having, having goals and things we're working towards, but yeah. also kind of when they don't go to plan, how can we practice that um, self-acceptance and self-love? I wonder if anything stood out to you about that at all or any overall themes that you know might be able to help me out with my, my question. Well, so the, uh, the theme that probably stood out for me the most because it's the one I largely remembered from when I read this um, quite a few years ago is how much he talks about death and mortality and emphasizes that, well, you might die tomorrow. And, and even if you don't, even if you die in 60 years, you know, there's, even if you're like famous or something awesome, eventually those people that remembered you will die too. And it sort of really hammers that home in many different phrases. And, um, I guess it, it paints the point to a certain degree that the attainment of goals is not particularly uh, important in, in that context. Um, in terms of, it's not like it's going to give you everlastingness or something like that. It might have some knock-on effects, knock effects of, of good in the world, and hopefully so, but... I don't know it sort of emphasizes the point of do we strive for things because of that because um it will have good positive effects on the world or, or is there some ego driven like i want to have this kind of status it will look good if i get this position or earn this amount of mm. money or um produce this thing or that everyone will admire um and i think to the degree that some of our aspirations are fueled by that fueled by ego he sort of crushes that by saying that's gonna die like even if it doesn't die with you it will die eventually mm -hmm. um so i think it i guess in that perspective that emphasizes that although i, I wouldn't sort of give up setting goals because it's kind of fun and gives you a bit of umph and passion to do stuff it mm -hmm. And this is the, the corniest line, but it, it I, I think it's true. So it's a cliche for a reason, but like the, the journey is more important than the destination in that sense. And it's like mm. by setting these things up, they're not there to um, beat ourselves up with when we don't attain them or we reach an obstacle or make a mistake. They're there to just sort of give us some fuel to, to do mm. a bit of good if we can and enjoy ourselves if we can. And then at the end of it, we'll die and it will all be forgotten, but might have had a good time along the way. <laughs> and it's, uh, <laughs> I, th I think that's it. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's nice to hear you, you say that. Cause I guess I kind of often go to books to, to find that out. And just like hearing your reframe of kind of the main message you've gotten away is quite, quite nice for me to hear. And I think it's what gets me thinking is that, as you say, yes, it's good to have goals and things, but actually to keep, to, to hold them lightly and keep, keep the perspective of the big, the big picture, like hold, hold that reframe because when you do kind of maybe fall short or you don't reach your goals, it's kind of important to remember that it's not the be all end all. Yeah. You know, there is, there is, um, maybe gr greater things to attain in life or a greater way to be 
and uh, and also there's probably a lot less suffering kind of rather than just the constant like striving disappointment striving disappointment mm. like because even you know as you kind of you do succeed in one goal like inevitably like a, a problem will come up or you'll want mm. another goal and it just kind of ends up being this constant cycle of um wanting to be somewhere else or wanting mm. to be different to be different than you are rather than accepting the way that things are and um trying to find happiness in the moment as opposed to kind of always looking to the future for your your satisfaction and happiness because mm. we'll always we move the goalposts and that's you know that's often said as a bad thing i don't think it necessarily is like once you've once you have achieved something then uh you have every reason to set a new goal and in a sense that is moving the goalposts but it's giving you reason to find that fuel and move somewhere else again um but as you say, if you don't reach it or if you stumble or if you reach it and it's anticlimactic, then um, it was never about that. It was about, I guess we uh, above goals, if, if we look at the David Allen perspective, is, is values and principles, right? So we choose goals that are in line with our principles. So in a way, goals are there to help us um, form the character we want and, and live in line with values that we want. And those values are going nowhere, even if our particular dream might die. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. That, my mind was going there. So, you know, thinking about, yeah, as you say, like your, your goals are kind of the mechanism in which mm -hmm. you can live out your values. Mm. So that's a really nice phrase. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, don't, I think of a, a different way of saying it. It's kind of like, I oh know having a go at the car if you're in a traffic jam while it's going slowly. You know, yeah, it's not the, it's not the the vehicle that I don't know. I'm trying to make an analogy here, but it's uh -huh. not quite working. But like, there's obviously like, it's the yeah, it's the mechanism in which we live out our values. So yeah, yeah. if something in the mechanism doesn't quite work or it's not going our way, it's no reflection on like us or our values it's just that at that point in time we weren't able to quite live out our values the way we wanted to mm -hmm. um but that's okay as well because the the goal in itself is a uh, is kind of the best we've got at that point in time yeah, yeah if we if we need a new goal to kind of live out our values then that's fine but it's not um, yeah, yeah it's not us at all really is it but, yeah oh. yeah yeah and yeah. so a, a value has to be um brought down to the ground level like you can't i don't know you can't be honest in a vacuum you, it, honesty you have to have actual situations and yourself and other people to be honest with and things to be honest about so honesty is this sort of abstract concept and you can only bring it into uh reality and humanity in any given particular situation and i guess goals are sort of our big particular situations that are hopefully align somewhat with, with our values. But, um, yeah, we can, it's the values that are more important than the goals, I guess. And yeah. And I, I think, yeah, just, um, can't just build that bit, you know, he's, he's saying that you can, you can live out your values and you can be a, a good person no matter what the, what's going on in the world around yeah. us. So as I know as much as we've been talking about goals as our own personal um, created way of directing our values towards something yeah. meaningful. No, to live out those values, like he's saying as well, like 
you can hold those values and that integrity and that humility in any situation yeah. you're in. So no matter how the world presents itself to you, you can choose to live in um, harmony with your values, no matter yeah. how the world's kind of presenting itself. That's reminding and, um, me I, of um, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, which is the book he wrote a about that theme whilst living in a concentration camp in Nazi yeah. Germany, which could be a good one for us to do perhaps because cool. That'd yeah. be a deep <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did just listen to a podcast actually about Holocaust survivors, so that could be topical. But yeah, that, that's, that's, the, that's the extreme version of your point, which is that you know, although goals require specific situations perhaps to go right for you, um, you know, there'll be certain goals we might have in a, a Western society that you couldn't have in, I don't know, North Korea as an extreme example, but like yeah. there are certain values that, yeah, you can take that with you wherever you go. There's um, one quote he says, um, he says, you could be a, a good man today, but you chose tomorrow. Mm. I really like that one. I guess it makes me think about what we just spoke about there is that you know kind of in in every moment that presents itself to you you have a choice to kind of act in in line with your values and i guess yeah. what victor frankl talks about in um man's search for meaning is that you know kind of you can take everything away from a from a man but um you can't take away his choice how he reacts in yeah. any given situation like that's the main crux of his yeah. his philosophy and i think that that relates a lot to this where he's saying that you can be unmoving and stable in your reactions. And well, he would say your responses to things, not reactions. Mm -hmm. He's saying we are more than just our responses. You know, one of his mm -hmm. quotes he says in here is that, you know, you're more than just your reactions. How do you want to live your life? Do you want to just be kind of reacting to everything, but actually we can be unmoving in our responses to anything that comes our way. And that's our choice. And in relation to, you know, six pillars of self-esteem, you know, adopting yeah. more responsibility, I feel like that's the pathway in which to do that. Mm. And it's certainly a lot harder, especially when the world tests you. And uh, mm. you know, he's basically saying, like, nothing can hurt you unless you, you allow it to, which is, uh, mm. I imagine, quite a difficult concept for people to get hold of. But it, I guess it's, um, it's quite liberating when you know that you... You have a choice how you can react and how you respond to yeah and i mean and that's you could even say that for your own uh past reactions and responses you, you know like let's say someone has said something and you've read something into it that wasn't there got really angry shouted like that might have happened but now at this point where you've recognized it you can still choose to re react to that yeah. Um, so it's not about perfection. Uh, it, it's it's just about where your choice lies in the present moment, regardless of what's come before. I think I can't remember whereabouts this one was, but there was one where he said something about you know you may not have lived in line with philosophy up till now, and you might already have a reputation of this and that from your people around you. But even if you had one day left, like you can still choose now, or you can still start here yeah. and. Yeah. Um, hmm. that's the sort of stuff you need like written on on your mirror when you're doing it <laughs> well, I, guess, I guess that's the um, <laughs> potential cost of putting goals ahead of the means of attaining them because as you, as you sort of point out you can end up 
um, sacrificing the now it, it in a sense of like I don't know like for example lying in in, a, in an attempt to reach your goal you're sort of crushing the values on your way of getting to the thing by which you hopefully set in line with your values in the first place so so that I guess that's a cost of of being too goal focused is that your means of attaining them might um you might lose sight of your values in your means of attaining those goals because if it's all about attaining it you might i don't know cheat steal lie do whatever you can to get your way there mm. and it's, it, it makes me think about you know what what questions to ask myself when i'm you know kind of striving for a goal you know what are my reasons for doing this what does it mean to me if i don't achieve this goal or how do I define failure? Why does it feel like a failure to me? Like having answers to those questions is is quite important because it can put things into perspective. Like mm. why why does this matter so much? And then you can question that thing itself. You know, you might be doing something so you appear good to other people or you're mm. trying to make a good impression. It's interesting, like what what is it about that that um, really matters? Like is that one of your values to, you know, make good impressions of other people, was it more important mm. for you to be like authentic and to tell the truth and present yourself um, originally in every situation you're in, you know? Yeah. 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 Like we, is, we have these chosen yeah. values, but we also have these values perhaps <clears throat> embedded in us either um, biologically or in the family or in the culture growing up. And it could so, be yeah, fears. It well, could exactly. simply be fears. Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah, I'll just pull my mic off at stun. Oh, you're good. I can hear you just fine. <laughs> <Hang on>. oh. <laughs> and so and we're back. <laughs> um, what was I saying? We have these um, values um, that we we choose, but then there's also some from our families. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, and these Us. these become unconscious, right? Or at least um, maybe always were. But but you might not recognize you you have a value that's um i must hold a certain high status and look better than other people and you might not have ever articulated that and it might be very um unappealing <laughs> to, to say it in the words which are the truth but if there is a part of you that's like well i only really want to reach this so people think i look good then mm. it might hurt to put those to put that into words but unless you sort of make that conscious and challenge it is going to run its own course anyway. And so that's part yeah, of the logos, part of putting your, you know, looking inside with truth as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he says that, doesn't he? he says you can choose in any given moment to, to go within, you can renew. So he says people try and get away from it all, but you can go within, you can renew, choose not to be harmed and you won't feel harmed. He says tranquility comes when you stop caring what they say, think or do. Mm. Um, and it's so also about not be- beating ourselves up if we notice that we all have egos right we're all going to act in ways to look better than others or to look better than we really are and stuff like that and yeah, so that's alright there's nothing to be ashamed of that's just part of being human but it's um, noticing it isn't it and then recognising that actually it doesn't really benefit you in the long run if you want to live a um, more calm and peaceful life probably do well to work on that <laughs> mm. and, and in relation to um like status and praise and things he says that um like 
that the thing that's being praised remains the same, whether it's praised or not. So, like, why are we trying to seek to be kind mm. of valid, validated or praised? Because we, whether we get praised or not, like our character or the thing we're being praised for kind of yeah. would, would always be there anyway. Like, it doesn't need, it doesn't gain anything or lose anything from being praised. And I guess on yeah, the yeah. flip side, like from being um, put down or offended, like your your character in theory shouldn't take a dent just because of someone else's opinion or what they say, think or do. Right. It can't, it can't affect you as like a, your character and your soul can't yeah, be yeah. penetrated by these outer forces, good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like whatever you've done, it's the same, whatever anyone thinks of it, like someone thinking something or, or stamping their own sense of value on something you've said or done doesn't change anything about what you've said or done. So it oughtn't change the way you feel about it, just that someone else either thinks it's really good or thinks it's abhorrent or whatever. It's, uh, I feel like that's certainly easier said than done. Oh, definitely. For sure. But it's, sure. <laughs> it's worth, it's worth saying and probably worth saying a lot just to sort of ingrain Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. Um, cool. Well, I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering if there's any certain quotes or parts that stood out to you. I know you, you mentioned to me that you were kind of, you went through it again and yeah. highlighted ones that particularly stood out to you. I'm aware we're kind of um, heading towards the last, uh, last bit of this podcast. I would love to hear if there's anything. Yeah. I was just scrolling yeah. through now. So I, I highlighted some in yellow, which obviously meant something to me at the time. So I, I can oh, yellow. Yeah. <laughs> yellow. It's the, uh, the automatic color of the highlighter It's Nice and standard out. <laughs> so here's one. Look at who they really are, people whose approval you long for and what their minds are really like. Then you won't blame the ones who make mistakes they can't help and you won't feel a need for their approval. You will have seen the sources of both, their judgments and their actions. So for me in that, it's sort of this um, idea that, that sometimes we might... Uh, let's say feel good that someone praised us without even thinking about what that person is like, you know, would you, and, and to some degree we're all just fallible and human. Right. And you wouldn't, there were probably particular people who's a, you wouldn't necessarily want to have a good opinion of you and particular people who you'd be quite happy if they didn't think very good things of you because of what you know of their values and character yeah, and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So just sort of, Hammer's home, yeah, like we were just talking about. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, think of yourself as dead. You have lived your life. Now take what's left and live it properly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, there was another um, one um, I texted you the other day about that, that hammered home this idea of the logos and truth. So that which is and that which is the case are closely linked so that nature is synonymous with truth, the source of all true things. To lie deliberately is to blaspheme. The, li the liar commits deceit and thus injustice. And likewise, to lie without realising it, because the involuntary liar disrupts the harmony of nature, its order. Mm. He is in conflict with the way the world is structured. And anyone who is... And, an, and anyone who deviates towards what is opposed to the truth, even against his will... 
Nature gave him the resources to distinguish between true and false, and he neglected them, and now he mm. can't tell the difference. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, that could just be Jordan Peterson Harris <laughs> talking there, can it? No, really yeah. good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I really like that last line, the idea that... Please do, yeah. If you um, deceive yourself enough, uh, you'll eventually not realise you're deceiving yourself. You won't know the difference between true and false, and... Um, I mean, that's basically the difference between sanity and not, isn't it? Uh, ultimately, it, it, it hammers uh, home in Nathaniel Brandon's work as well. He talks about the the difference between suppression and repression. Yes. So, like, you might not like a certain thought you have, so shove it away, or a feeling you have, you're ashamed of it, so you you actively push it away, and that that is a choice. But you do that enough times, and then it starts to happen involuntarily and unconsciously. And although now you don't have a choice, it's you're still responsible because you were the one who pushed it down 200 times in the past, and now the fact yeah. that it's stuck there unconsciously is still kind of down to you. It's like the story of feeding the dragon... Yeah, under the uh, yeah, carpet yeah. yeah and the Jordan Pierce one yeah um, I, I'm enjoying just um, just hearing you read out a couple actually do you mind reading out just a couple more that stood out to you but it's quite Let's nice see. just to hear them I know we've kind of talked slightly abstractly about a few of them it's nice just to hear some straight up quotes yeah so uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not choosing these for any reason other than that I highlighted them at the time so uh, let's see Socrates used to call popular beliefs the monsters under the bed only useful for frightening children with <laughs> so i guess what did i like about that this idea that um well i mean okay where do i go with that christianity was a very very small sect at the time of him writing this it was, it was you know it was nothing more than a small cult at the time that would, didn't have much attention to it it was what's he writing 160 to 180 ad but but there are certain um I guess popularized uh, beliefs or values that you know. Let's say about I don't know burning in hell. Like I don't I don't know how you know. If, I'm sure some people do still take that very literally, but it it seems quite obvious that that's an angle you can use to just frighten people into behaving the way you want with. Yes, and yeah. um, I think there were. That can be a. Um, it's kind of going back to what I was saying about culture and the family and where you instill your values from. Lots of these values you've had instilled in you will be as a consequence of them being of benefit to other people rather than yourself and not necessarily in line with reality. So it's like mm. going back over your beliefs and values to and um, seeing if they actually align with evidence and logic. Yes. Yeah. Um, nice. Nice couple more yeah. <laughs> then we'll wrap Scrolling it up through <laughs> all right well this one's quite long let's see what this one is either the gods have power or they don't if they don't why pray if they do then why not pray for something else instead of instead of for things to happen or not to happen pray not to feel fear or desire or grief if the gods can do anything they can surely do that for us but those are things the gods left up to me so that's someone replying to that statement but those are things that god's left up to me then isn't it better to do what's up to you like a free man than to be passively controlled by what isn't like a slave or a beggar 
And what makes you think the gods don't care about what's up to us? Start praying like this and you'll see. Not some way to sleep with her, but some way to stop wanting to. Not some way to get rid of him, but a way to stop trying. Not some way to save my child, but a way to lose your fear. Redirect your prayers like that and watch what happens. So obviously this is angled in a context of Roman deities and stuff, but the principle kind of is that we often have wishful thinking about changing our yes. external environment. And he's angling that back to say, well, question the way you're desiring or emoting or thinking mm. about the environment. Cause that's what you can actually have an effect on. And what, what can you take away as well? Like it might not necessarily be a, a fact mm. of like trying to gain something. It can actually be a matter of, um, you know, what can I, um, t- take away? So you don't know, can, can you remove your desire? Can you remove your, your need to be liked. Can you mm. stop wanting things and more kind of, uh, in, yeah, instead of kind of demanding things from the world or expecting things as well. Mm. Yeah. That's a good one. I remember reading that, especially the I second do. half of that one. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. There's ones you've read that I kind of interesting. What kind of sticks in your mind? Like the fact you've read it, like I knew that word for word in my head. As you were saying. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. I like this one. Amazing. To do do harm is to do yourself harm. To do an injustice is to do yourself an injustice. It degrades you. And you can also commit injustice by doing nothing. Yeah, Yeah. that like inaction, Mm. not speaking your truth, not um, putting yourself out in the world authentically and kind of shying away from a challenge, not facing things head on. Um, Kind of neglectful to yourself and your character and will have long-term impacts. Mm. it's all hard hitting stuff i love it mm. i love it it's so good it's so good it's really really <laughs> nice to read such a different book and also kind of yeah obviously it's not just like a, a book of cheesy life quotes it's just something he wrote to himself based yeah. on a, a philosophy that's um quite timeless really like you know it's kind of probably a lot of the basis of other things we've read throughout this these podcasts so um uh, yeah I'm really, really glad you chose chose that book. Cool. Certainly, um, certainly not one I would have probably come up with myself if it wasn't for you. So, thanks. No worries. Good stuff. Good stuff to cool. spread around. Ageist, ageist wisdom. Love it. Ah, oh, good, cool. Well, um, the next book we'll be doing will appear on the screen now. I think it's. Did we agree to do the magic of tidying up by Mary Kondo? Marie Kondo. Marie oh, did Kondo? We say, okay. Okay. Yeah. I might, uh, I might watch <laughs> a Netflix show and maybe read the book. Okay. So um, I'm moving house soon. Well, not soon. Yeah, that's right. Soon, so you uh, wanted to do something on kind of minimalism and stuff like that. And um, yeah, there'll be a, yeah. So Marie Kondo stuff. And there's also, um, there's a new show on um, Netflix called Minimalism like a short movie so it might be good for us mm, to yeah, yeah. reflect on a few things so um, yeah it could be minimalism from a few different angles or um, we'll stick with that one on book I guess see where we get to so, yeah nice um, jumping around a bit but um, yeah loving these again we're on, we're on track for 50 by the end of this year we start to January <laughs> well t- two a month that's two this month so hey, okay. uh, we'll keep cra- we'll keep cracking on and um, yeah good stuff Cheers, mate. Last one. Chat to you soon. See you later. Bye. Bye.